Hey, it's Craig. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Canadian History X early and ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Greetings and welcome to another episode of Canadian History X. If you like, you can support the podcast for as little as $3 a month. Just go to patreon.com slash CanadaEHX. You can also donate to the podcast by going to CanadaEHX.com and clicking donate. On that note, I'd like to say thank you to Caleb, Robin, Jeff, and Katie, who all became new patrons this week. I really do appreciate it, so thank you so much. Don't forget, I have three other podcasts out there. From John to Justin, which releases every single Friday, Canada's Great War, which releases every single Sunday, and Coast to Coast, which releases every single Thursday. I do all these podcasts full-time. The writing, the research, everything. So every dollar you give helps keep it all going. And, of course, if you do donate or become a patron, I'll make sure to thank you directly on the air and throughout my social media. If you like, you can email me at craig at canadaehx.com. You can find me on Twitter. My handle is Craig Baird, C-R-A-I-G-B-A-I-R-D, and I'm on Instagram at Bairdo37. Before Europeans ever set foot in the region that would be Barhead, it was home to the indigenous, specifically the Cree, who lived across the land for eons. There's evidence of the Cree living in the area for over 5,000 years. During those centuries, the indigenous would have also come across the Vega Sand Hills. Today, the Vega Sand Hills are protected as a unique dune formation that offers miles of trails for hiking, biking, and horseback riding. That way of life would begin to change during the late 1700s and early 1800s as fur traders and explorers came through the area. In 1810, David Thompson explored an indigenous trail in the area, which would connect the North Saskatchewan with Athabasca Pass. It was on this trail that a letter would be sent from British Columbia to Montreal in 1811, the first letter ever sent between those two locations. At first, it was a trickle of people, but before long, more would be arriving. In 1824, the original Indigenous trail would become a pack trail when it was cut from Fort Assiniboine to Fort Edmonton, going just to the east of the present location of Barhead. With that trail, pack trains would pass through on a regular basis, with as many as 75 horses and riders passing each day. It was not until 1898, though, that the area that would be Barhead really started to spring up, and it was all thanks to the Klondike Gold Rush. The Grizzly Trail follows the current path of Highway 33, and it followed the Klondike Trail, which many prospectors took after leaving Edmonton, going up to the Peace River region and beyond. Three kilometers to the north of the present community, 
there was a stopping point for the Klondikers to rest before going ahead. The Klondike Trail viewpoint can still be seen to this day, located at Two Mile Corner at the intersection of Highways 18 and 33. A visit there will allow you to see what the early Klondikers saw as they prepared to find their fortunes to the north. You can also take the Klondike Ferry across the Athabasca River. And while ferries were very common in Alberta for decades due to the lack of bridges, only seven remain, including this one at Barhead that operates from April to October. From this point, the community would start to grow as travelers fell in love with the area and decided to set down roots. The area around the community would continue to grow once the town site was founded. A post office named Paddle River would be established just to the south of the town on the farm of Ted Speck. Not long after setting up the post office, Ted and his brother Fred would build a bridge across the river and start operating a sawmill. By 1909, a hall was built where school was conducted, and a blacksmith would arrive in 1909. In 1913, the Anglican Church would be built, remaining outside the town until 1928. At this time, the Paddle River Cooperative Society opened a store and then began to construct a building that would be used for community gatherings. An application was put forward for a post office, and the name of Barhead was suggested to honour the home of James Maguire, which was Barhead, Scotland. Today, we often think of celebrating Canada Day on July 1st without a thought, but in the early history of Barhead, there was a bit of a dust-up over which date to hold the annual picnic. One group with strong ties to Eastern Canada and the United Kingdom wanted to host the picnic on July 1st, while the American settlers wanted to host it on July 4th. To accommodate everyone, it was decided to host the picnic on alternating dates each year. One year would be on July 1st, the next on July 4th. Unfortunately, one year, and despite the agreement, both flags were put up a flagpole, with one of the flags flying higher than the other, which was seen as a great insult. A flag fight then ensued, with each side trying to keep the other flag higher than the other flag. This was accomplished because the flagpole was just a tree, allowing each side to go higher and higher. Someone then decided to solve the issue by getting a flagpole, putting his flag on it, and then nailing it to the tree. This move resulted in both sides nearly coming to blows over the matter. In the end, the picnic was cancelled, and the following year it was decided that no flags would be flown. I'd like to take a break away from the episode for a second to talk about ExploreNet. I spent most of my life living in rural areas in Canada, and I remember the days of dial-up internet and spotty high-speed service. For the past three years, I have been a customer of ExploreNet, and I can honestly say that it is the best rural internet I have ever had. My job as a podcaster means I spend a lot of time researching online, interviewing people over Zoom, and uploading content. Through it all, ExploreNet has provided me with excellent service. When I'm not working, I enjoy streaming content on several streaming platforms, and even doing some online gaming with a friend in Ontario. ExploreNet allows me to do all of that with ease. Right now, they offer up to 50 megabits per second on their new LTE network with unlimited data. Their service has only become faster and better since I first signed on. Today and beyond, ExploreNet is investing in building and upgrading the network at a rapid pace. ExploreNet is rural, and that is their route, and that is their focus. For more information about rural internet options in your area, go to ExploreNet.com or call one 866 285-2253. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. 
For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. In 1915, there would be a unique custody case in Barhead and it was all over a moose. A Mr. Finstead decided that he would raise a moose calf on his property. But one day when he came home, he found that the calf was missing. He immediately went to the Royal Northwest Mounted Police, who went out to look for the thieves. As it turned out, several locals had spoken to the game warden, who had picked up the moose. As he was driving the moose towards the wilderness, he was suddenly arrested by the police and charged with theft. While the community awaited trial, the moose was cared for by the Munsterman family. And in the end, Finstead lost his case, and the game warden took the moose to Buffalo National Park near Wainwright to live out its days in peace. It would take another decade before the community of Barhead really started to grow, though. It was in 1927 that the Northern Alberta Railroad decided to bring its Pembina Valley branch line to the area. The people who lived in the area suddenly realized they needed to move their homes to get where the railroad was going through. Along with homes, there was the post office and a few small stores, all that had to move at the same time. The arrival of the railroad caused a huge increase in construction and residence resulting in Barhead becoming a village on November 14, 1927. Within months, the community had an elevator, hardware store, feed barn, the Bank of Montreal, and a drugstore. The home elevator was actually the first building to be built in the new community of Barhead. The Edmonton Journal would report on May 20, 1927, quote, Spring is the season for growth, and although many farmers in the district consider this a particularly backward year from an agricultural standpoint, there are few who are not surprised at the rapid growth of the new town of Barhead. End quote. A school was built in 1928, followed by a high school in 1929. An eight-bed hospital was also built around this same time. From there, the community would continue to grow until it became one of the most important trading centers north of Edmonton. In 1938, a huge forest fire would erupt in the area, running along a 15-mile front that destroyed several homes as it burned through. A total of 500 men were sent out to fight the forest fire that was moving quickly thanks to the winds that were moving at about 25 miles an hour. Thankfully, they pushed the fire away from Barhead in the process. Smaller fires had been burning for about two weeks, mostly clearing fires, before they merged into one large fire that threatened the landscape. There were no losses of life, but several vehicle accidents would occur when motorists slowed down to look at the growing column of smoke. On November 26, 1946, Barhead officially became a town. Two years before Barhead became a town, though, it found itself in real danger when the Paddle and Pembina rivers rose well above their banks, flooding out the entire area, but thankfully not hitting the community itself. The flood was bad enough that it took out a two-mile stretch of the railroad between Manola and Barhead, washing out the railroad embankment completely, but leaving the tracks and ties hanging loose with nothing underneath but 15 feet of water. And Mr. Roberts would say going over the track was, quote, like going over a suspension bridge, end quote. Roads were also washed out, as were crops, several rural homes, and livestock, causing an enormous financial cost to the area, but thankfully, no loss of life. The Alberta Livestock Cooperative Limited would raise money for those who were impacted by the flooding. You can still see glimpses of the past in Barhead by visiting Elevator Road, which is some of the last remaining grain elevators in central Alberta. These elevators have stood for many decades and are a great link to the prosperous agricultural past of the community.
When you visit Barhead, make sure you check out the official mascot, the Great Blue Heron. The heron is often seen in the lakes around Barhead, so it was a natural fit for the mascot. Built in 1984 out of rebar, wire mesh, and concrete, it stands at 8 feet high and sits on a 4 foot high pedestal. The bird is nicknamed Aaron the Blue Heron. If you would like to learn more about the history of Barhead, then there's no better place to go than the Barhead Centennial Museum. In the museum, you will find artifacts from the past of Barhead, including from the churches, community halls, schools, businesses, and more. Some of the stories from the past of the community that I covered in this episode came from the museum's archives. If you like, you can email me at craig at canadaehx.com. You can find me on Twitter. My handle is Craig Baird, C-R-A-I-G-B-A-I-R-D, and I'm on Instagram at Bairdo37. As well, again, if you want to support the podcast, you can for as little as $3 a month. Just go to patreon.com slash CanadaEHX. And you can donate to the podcast by going to CanadaEHX.com and clicking donate. I'd also like to thank all of my wonderful patrons, and I apologize if I get any names incorrect. Katie Caldwell, Jeff Hershey, Kyle Murray, Steve Pakin, Matthew Gartho, Lionel Romaine, Dr. Bob Turner, Brianna Fultz, Randy Hayden, Doug Campbell, Reg W., Deborah Carlson, Francis Helbling, Nick Zinri, Shannon Marshall, Clinton Martinez, Dimitri Shove, Aaron O'Hara Myers, Robert Dunseith, Todd Casey, Catherine Roy, Luke Guess, J.P. Bear, Jason Hall, Phil Maynard, and Iris Gray. Thanks. We'll see you again next time.